She was one of the walking dead. Twelve years ago, one of the local doctors examined her, and with tears in his eyes, he said to her, Sorry, there is no cure for your condition. May God have mercy on you, my daughter. And after that, we are told it was constant pain and loss of blood. Every visit to the doctors made things only worse. She lost all her money. She lost all contact with the family. She was excluded from all religious and social gatherings. She was anemic, exhausted, desperate, lonely, broke, and fearing for her life. In fact, she had given up all hope in life that her life would ever change. But then she had a rumor. She had a rumor that a famous man, Jesus, was coming to her town. And someone said to her, perhaps, that she, Jesus had the power to change her life. And so with that little ray of hope, the Bible tells us this broken and unclean woman came to Jesus. But as she came to approach Jesus, she was so afraid and ashamed of her condition. So she decided to make her way through the, quiet, to, through the crowd very, very quietly, we imagine. Just hoping to touch the garment of Jesus. And the Bible tells us at that moment when she touched it, the Bible says that power went out of Jesus. And just like that, with one touch, the sea of our suffering parted. All those weary years of grief in an instant moment came to an end. And immediately, the Lord Jesus Christ sensed that power had gone out of him. And so he stopped walking and he asked everyone, who touched me? The woman, of course, at this moment had already faded back into the crowd. She was terrified to come forward because she knew, you see, that she was unclean. And by touching Jesus, by even being outside, she had broken the law. But Jesus kept asking. He kept searching for her. Finally, the woman stepped forward with fear and trembling. The Bible tells us that she told Jesus all her story. She poured out her pain to Jesus. And the Lord Jesus listened carefully, patiently. And then to everyone's surprise, suddenly to the surprise of the woman, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You are healed. We look at that amazing story of Jesus with our women in Mark chapter 5. It's a long time ago since we looked at that story. But it's certainly one of my favorite stories uh, in Mark. And we looked at it in Mark 5. The healing actually of our woman is part of a wider theme in the Gospel of Mark. It is a theme that we see of Jesus constantly reaching out to women with love and grace. Jesus, you see, has come to call all sinners to himself, including women. And the Bible makes that even at the forefront of that, really, because at this time, women, you see, were at the margins of society. And so Mark throughout has been pointing out that Jesus is calling women to himself. And we see this truth, as I said, throughout Mark, and we see it today. So today we are particularly Looking at these verses in Mark 15, verse 40 to verse 41.
You see how Jesus calls women to himself. Last week, of course, we saw Jesus dying on the cross to bring sinners home to God. But before Jesus is buried, Mark in these verses, in, in verse 40 to 41, gives us the names of key witnesses who saw Jesus die and let us see him rise from the dead. In, in other words, Mark is preparing us for what's coming, particularly in Mark 16, verse 1, when the women go there. He wants to make it clear that these women were with Jesus from the very beginning. And so we read there, don't we, in verse 40 to verse 41. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. Salome would be the mother of the, of, the, of the sons of thunder, James and John, the wife of Zebedee. Verse 41, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women, that's why important, many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. There are just three important truths I just want to share here uh, from these verses about what they teach us about Jesus' ministry to women and did perhaps more widely to all of us. The first truth we see in these two verses is that all women need Jesus. All women need Jesus. We are told here that there were many women who followed Jesus. Because they, why? Because they had found in Jesus what they had been searching for all their life. Verse 41, when he, he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there are also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. The key word in verse 41 is followed. Followed. If you put a microphone before these women and ask them, who are you? What is your purpose in life? They would immediately answer, we are followers of Jesus. As much as the men who are, by the way, missing at the moment. They have followed Jesus since his days in Galilee. Mark makes that point, doesn't it? And they are with him at his death. Now, when we are going through Mark, we, we came across Mark 8, verse 34. You may remember that Jesus saying these words in Mark 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, when we come to Mark 15, verse 41, Mark is hoping that you remember what Jesus said about following him. And so when he says, when he was in Galilee, in verse 41, they followed him, Mark immediately is hoping that you remember that they're not just following Jesus in word only or, or, or for something else, but they have come, they are disciples. In other words, these women really are the visual illustration of what Jesus meant by taking up the cross and following him. These women have, these women have denied themselves and they have followed Jesus to the very end. Yes, there is still unbelief in them. We know Salome would have struggled and at one point wanted her sons to inherit those thrones. But they are here. They have followed their master. They are at the foot of the cross. And John even makes the point in his account that they are standing by the cross. They are with Jesus to the very end. You see, Jesus is the very reason they have left their children and their husbands at home for a season. 
to come with him to Jerusalem, to stand with Jesus in his darkest hour. And even as he dies, they are still there. Even when he's buried, they will be there. And they will be the first people to make it to the tomb on resurrection day. Jesus has their hearts. And they have his. Why? Because that's the question we have to ask, isn't it? Why are these women following Jesus? Well, because they believe that Jesus, you see, is the one they had been searching for all their lives. You see, there is woven inside each all of us, including women, a desire for something more. A craving to be part of something greater than ourselves. The Bible says that that thing we long for is in fact someone. We were created by God to find our lasting fulfillment and purpose in God, regardless whether we are men or women, boys or girls. And, and ever since we rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, all of us, women and men, are born in this world with those five big problems I've told you about in the past. First, all of us feel lonely and isolated in our natural condition. You have a deep desire as a woman to be loved and cared for. But you never experience this true love and satisfaction. Secondly, you want to know that what your ultimate purpose in life is. Why do you exist? Why are you here? Why are you living? Where is your life going? Thirdly, you're searching to discover yourself. Who are you really at the core of your being? And this, this question of self-discovery is big for women, isn't it? Because the society is asking us, what is your identity as a woman? The answer is, you do not know in your natural condition. We don't know ourselves in our natural condition. The fourth question we are asking, the fourth question, issue for us is, all of us, men and women, face a deep degree of loss and brokenness in life. You are looking at the world and you experience things. You have gone through the pain you've suffered. There is the, the problems where all of us are facing in this world and you recognize immediately that the world is not your friend. The world is at war with you. That's the situation for everyone. And finally, like all of us, you are concerned that one day you will die. And if you haven't been thinking about death, this past week, I'm sure you have. Because, of course, you see that even the rich and famous can just die like that. Didn't that... Uh, Bozeman, right? Right? So he died just like that, 43, from colon cancer. All that money, all that fame, and he hasn't even really lived. So we see things like that, we see death around us, and we recognize, don't we, that one day we will all die. We wish we could beat death, but we can't. These are the five problems we face. They are common to all of us, women and men. And the Bible says we have these problems because we are disconnected from the life of God. And this means that no matter how much money you have, how much love you receive, how much Beyonce you sing, how independent you may feel at any given moment, you can never be satisfied. 
What you and I need in our life is God. To do life with God. This is the deep need at the heart of each person. And it is this need that has brought these women to Jesus. They are following Jesus because they have seen that Jesus is not like any man they know. Jesus is not like anyone they know, period. Jesus teaches and acts in the world as God. And as they have followed Jesus around Galilee, they have seen his caring heart. He is healing lepers here. He's touching corpses there, raising them to life. He is driving out evil spirits. They have found in Jesus one who can fill the deep void in their life. They have tried marriage and they have found it cannot satisfy them. At one point, perhaps all they ever wanted was to get married. They got that. They found that it was empty. They have tried having children and for a season, the children satisfied them. But they realize that that too does not bring lasting satisfaction. Blessing, yes, but it can never fill that void in our hearts. All of these blessings they have received in life, they have discovered cannot satisfy them like Jesus can. This is why they are in Jerusalem at his death. This is why we read in verse 41, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there are also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Jesus is the one they recognize that they truly need. And they are with him at the cross, at Golgotha. What about you today? As a woman, first, let me ask, have you found lasting fulfillment and purpose in life? Have you found it in Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Would you say that you are a true follower of Jesus? Or are you still trying to answer those five fundamental questions I talked about? Are you still trying to do life on your own? Are you still looking for happiness in this broken world? Or have you trusted Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Does your life, when we talk about surrender, let me ask you, does your life in terms of commitment and surrender resemble these women? Can you say you see something of Mary and Salome in your life? You're standing with Jesus through the storm of life. Or is Jesus to you just an hobby, some tick box exercise? You see, Mark is very clear here what a follower of Jesus looks like. If we claim we are followers of Jesus and we can't recognize something of the devotion of these women in us, that is a huge problem. They are committed to Jesus before he rose from death. Don't miss that. They are standing with Jesus before they even realized Jesus had the power over death. Well, they had seen it with Lazarus, of course, but they have not yet seen somebody predict death and come back to life. But we have. We've seen Jesus rise from the dead. We live on this side of the resurrection. We know Jesus is risen. Surely our faith to Jesus therefore must be more devoted than these women. And the question for us is, is it? Asking especially the women here, is our faith to Jesus as devoted as these women we see in the scriptures here? 
For the men who are here today, I mean, you may think, wow, today Jesus, you know, <laughs> you have Jesus and the women. <laughs> we get a pass here today. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. Uh, no. As men, this is a serious issue. Are you concerned for the spiritual state of women God has placed in your life? That's the question. Are you concerned for your wife? Are you concerned for your daughter? Your mother? Your grandmother? Your granddaughter? How are you encouraging women in your life to find lasting satisfaction in Jesus? You have seen in these women of Galilee what it means to follow Jesus. Do you see this evidence in the women God has placed in your life? Are you encouraging them to examine their lives to ensure they find satisfaction in Jesus? Are you yourself as a man whom God has placed in the lives of these women living in such a way to point them to Jesus? I guess what I'm asking the men here this morning is this. Do you love the women that God has placed in your life? Are you laboring for their souls? Are you praying for evidence for a true conversion? Are you living for their true conversion? Or do you merely presume it? Do you merely assume because that they are saved because they made some profession years ago? Or are you every day praying and laboring that they would show evidence every day for Jesus? That's the question for us as men. If you're a man, you are, well, you are here. And of course, you can pray for the ladies here and you can live accordingly. We see here, you see, that all women need Jesus. That's the first truth Mark teaches us here. The second truth we learn here is a wonderful truth as well, which is Jesus welcomes women. Jesus welcomes women. You see, the most amazing thing about these verses, about how Jesus relates to women, is not that these women found Jesus. That's amazing. But that's not the most amazing thing. But that Jesus welcomed them. Look at verse 40 to verse 41 again. They were also looking on from a distance among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. There are also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now we'll look at these women um, later when we look at the resurrection passage. But if you know something about these women already, you realize that they are not the most perfect individuals. Uh, we think they are of Mary Magdalene, of course, who had seven demons. And we think of Mary, uh, we think of Salome, for example, who um, was driven by excessive uh, pride, as it were. But that, so they are not perfect people. They are people who Jesus has sought out by his grace and has drawn to himself. And that should um, make us think, pause, and reflect. Because you see, if you were were any rabbi at this time, right, and you are reading the story of Jesus, and you come to this passage, and you read about these women, many of them following Jesus, it would shock you. Because you see, in the days of Jesus, women were generally regarded as second-class citizens. 
Now, if you are reading it today, it was a big deal. We've been following Jesus. But at that time, it was a massive deal. The Jewish historian Josephus, living around the same time of period as Jesus, wrote that the law held women as inferior to men in all matters. That was the law. The law regarded a woman as inferior to men. The Jewish philosopher Philo, also living in the first century, said women should stay at home and live a life of seclusion. Uh, in, the, in the book of Sirach, widely used by the Pharisees at the time, it says the wickedness of a man is better than any good thing a woman does. That was the culture. That's how they viewed women. It was unheard of, therefore, for rabbis to allow women to follow them. In fact, most rabbis did not even speak to women in public, not even their own wives. <laughs> Imagine that. Your wife turns up and you can't speak to her in public because she's a woman. But we see Jesus was the opposite. Women followed Jesus, you see, because everything Jesus said and the way he treated women, he treated them as persons of dignity, worth, and value before God. For example, when Jesus taught about marriage, Jesus plainly said women are equal to men because they are created by God. We saw that passage, didn't we? Mark 10, verse 6, it says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus goes on to make the point that a man can commit adultery against a woman, something that the Pharisees, most of them, didn't even recognize. They saw adultery as just one way. <laughs> right? It's only a woman who can do it. To Jesus, you see, women are created in God's image. They have self-awareness, freedom, self-determination, and responsibility for their actions. Jesus treated women not primarily as females, but as human beings. He regarded them as fellow members of the human family, fellow members of the household of God, if they followed him. You see, for Jesus, women are not property, but people. They have legitimate rights endowed on them by God, and these rights should be reflected. Women, you see, followed Jesus because they felt safe around Jesus. They saw in Jesus the unconditional love and care they had longed for in all their lives. In fact, throughout Mark, we see how Jesus allows women to get close to him. He has time for other women, like Peter's mother-in-law in Capernaum. That was the second miracle we saw in Mark, in Mark chapter 1. We see Jesus showing compassion on young women like Jairus' daughter, and the daughter of the woman of Tyre. We see Jesus showing love not only to Jewish women, but to foreign women like the woman of Tyre, the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus is constantly speaking to all women, to women who live alone like this woman who bled for 12 years. And Jesus notices poor widows like the woman in the temple, the widow's might, he notices her devotion and love for Jesus. And that is just a love for God. And that is just in the Gospel of Mark. We haven't talked about Jesus' encounter with the woman of Samaria in John 4 and other episodes. Like the woman who was caught in sin in John 8. 
Jesus loved and welcomed women. And we see that especially in Mark 14, where Jesus publicly defends Mary of Bethany when she's attacked by the disciples for pouring out expensive perfume on him. Jesus is God who not only understands women, but he has come to lay down his life on the cross for them. Therefore, we are not surprised when we read in Mark 15 verse 40, they were also women looking on from the distance. You know, we are living in a society where the church and the Bible is regarded as patriarchy. It's regarded as something that silences women. This is what the radical feminists tell us. And of course, there are many incidents in the Bible where individuals treat women shamefully. If you've read your Bible, you've seen it, isn't it? You've seen Samson, you've seen Abraham's treatment. We've seen David's poor treatment of women. We see that in the Bible. But the revelation of the Bible is not about these individuals. These individuals flag up the depravity of human nature, the reason we need Jesus. The revelation of the Bible is, is one story about Jesus. Right? Just because Samson and David are going around treating women poorly does not mean God approves of such. We must read the Bible in context. And most importantly, we must read it with an open heart. We must see in the Bible that it is a story of God's redemptive plan to restore sinners, men and women in Jesus Christ. And the same is true for the church, isn't it? It is foolish to deny that many churches have oppressed women. It is true. We have all heard of many such stories. But we also know by opening the scripture, don't we, that in this world the church will always be a mixture of sheep and wolves. Not every professing Christian is a Christian. Please understand that. In fact, if you've been studying with us, Second Peter, you would have seen how God in his word warns about the false teachers, particularly in chapter 2, and how they bring destruction in the church, especially to women. That's a warning in Second Peter 2. So if you're a woman, and each woman has their own story, don't they? As the men do. If you're a woman today, and you want to know what God thinks of you, then look at Jesus. Don't look at the church. Look at Jesus. Look how Jesus loves and cares for women. Look how he died for you on the cross. The same love Jesus shows to these women, the same love of Jesus that compelled these women to follow him, is the same love he's offering to you today. And if you truly love and trust in Jesus, then you've experienced that love already. So that's the second truth. The first truth we see is that all oh, women need Jesus. And the second truth is that Jesus welcomes women. Well, the final truth Mark wants to teach us here is that the women of Jesus serve Jesus. This is the response to the love and welcome of Jesus. The women of Jesus, the women who follow Jesus, serve Jesus. Jesus, we see, welcomes women not simply to add to the numbers, right, of his followers. So that they can just sit and do nothing. No. Jesus welcomes women to transform them so that they would serve him. Look at verse 41. When he was in Galilee, 
they followed him and listen to this and ministered to him you know the word for minister here is the same word mark uses in chapter 1 verse 13 of the angels ministering to jesus in the wilderness after jesus is tempted the angels come and give practical care and comfort to jesus in other words the women took care of jesus by giving him practical care and assistance. For example, Martha, Yeshua, Jesus, was not preaching on an empty stomach, right? We also know that these women took care of the financial needs of Jesus. We read in Luke 8, verse 1 to 3. Uh, If you turn to Luke 8, verse 1 to 3, it says this. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, that is from the village of Magdala, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them, that is Jesus and his disciples, out of their means. Luke is telling us that these women were were so committed to Jesus that they funded the ministry. And some of these women were extremely rich. For example, Luke mentions here this extraordinary woman, Joanna. She must have been the richest disciple there. Because her husband was a royal official in the court of Herod Antipas. When he says he was a household manager, it means he looked after the financial interests of the king. In our day, Joanna would be a a powerful socialite. What made rich women like this serve Jesus? Well, the answer is there in Luke, isn't it? You read it again, don't you? Soon afterwards, he went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. It was the good news of the kingdom of God that drew these women to Jesus. But notice, he goes on to say, and the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And the list that follows, right, includes Mary, of course, Joanna, Susanna, and many other women. The point surely is, Luke is saying, is that these women served Jesus because Jesus had served them. Both serving and serve, right? And Mary of Magdala is a prime example, of course, which we know about. But clearly Luke here is saying that Jesus had healed women, not just one. And he includes Joanna and Susanna and others. And of course we know that these women served Jesus as a result of how much Jesus had done for them first. We think of Mary of Bethany who we meet in Mark 14. She broke, as we said, that alabaster jar of perfume and poured it on Jesus as a gift. Why? Well, if you know the story, it's because Jesus clearly had become dear to her. He had just raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. And her response was to honor Jesus. See, the point I'm making here is that when we see how much Jesus has loved us, how much he has laid down his life for us, 
We cannot help but lay down our life in service to Him. The truth is that the way we live our lives and our priorities tells us something about where we locate our ultimate purpose and fulfillment. These women ministered to Jesus because he had first ministered to their hearts. They served Jesus because they were served to serve. These women gave their service to Jesus because it was everything to them. Beloved, you do not have to guess who the Marys of Judea lived for. They lived for Jesus. And today many churches, including us of course, owe a lot to women who have been truly converted and who show the, the fruit of their conversion by their service to God in practical ways. Many churches, including us, would have long closed, if we're being honest. They would have long closed without the faithfulness of women in the church. I know, I know, I know churches that have been maintained by purely just women being there. Men don't even turn up. And the Lord has kept the lamp as it were going in those churches. Many women make huge sacrifices for the work of God. Many of them balance work, caring for home and, and giving sacrificially to the Lord's work and ensuring churches are running smoothly just on a Sunday. Are you a woman who is serving in the church in this fellowship in some way? Maybe you are laboring through the night, keeping the chapel clean for us to worship here in the morning. Perhaps your practical support is simply carving out time to spend with a sister in person on Zoom going through a challenging time. Maybe you are intentionally opening your home to those who are on the fringe of church life, carrying on a little bit of risk during this time, because you know it is important for you to do that. You realize that many people are deeply lonely and the church simply cannot respond and run away in hiding and safety. Rather, God's people, when they are always caught, they run to danger rather than away from danger. That is the way of the cross. Or maybe it's just sacrificial giving or earnest prayer for others. You'd love to do more, but you've got a lot already as a daughter and a mother. And so you spend time every day in prayer. You're bringing other people in the church before the presence of God. And you're doing what you can to give to them. There are many ways we minister practically in the life of church. Now when we do these things, these things may make us feel like we're not doing anything, right? They may look small in our eyes. But if we are doing them for God, it is God who has put them on our hearts. So whatever you are serving for the Lord, be encouraged. The examples of these Marys, these Susannas, these Joannas, is confirming that your heart is right before God. It is evidence of a served heart. Now, of course, if we have no desire to serve at all, we are just merely longing to be passengers in the life of the church, then, of course, we should examine our hearts. But if you are serving, then be encouraged. And as you minister and serve Jesus, beloved, do not spoil it with two things as I come to an end. First, do not spoil it with grumbling. 
That is the biggest danger all of us face, men and women in our service. Grumbling when we serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. The second thing, the other thing you do, the other thing we need to think about is this. Serve not to be seen. Right? There are too many of us who serve because we want to recruit people to follow us. We want others to look up to us that we are doing something, that we matter someone. Well, the flash news is you do matter already before God. You don't need to serve to matter. Do not be tempted like that. Rather, take verse 41 to heart. Look at verse 41. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. There were many other women who ministered to Jesus, but their names are not recorded. Why? Because it pleased the Lord God that these women should serve Jesus in obscurity. And it should please us, women and men, who are truly converted to serve God and without anyone hearing about it. The devil, of course, always wants you to shout aloud where you're serving. But ask the Lord to give you a heart that would serve in obscurity. Women of Jesus serve Jesus for Jesus and not for the applause of this world. We serve for his glory. Indeed, men and women, all of us, should serve Jesus because we have been welcomed by Jesus. Amen.